I'm Anna Parker. And I'm Miriam Chancellor. Welcome to Big Mistake, the podcast that unpacks the failures and mistakes of top professionals. So, to make us, and hopefully you, feel better about the mistakes we all make in our careers and lives, we'll be talking with high performers to understand the behind the scenes and less glamorous moments of the business world. You have a question for me. I do. Go for it. Do you talk or shout through walls to Daniel? Will you say, babe, come here, come see this? Through walls, through levels. Um, yes, but if he's... So yes, I, if I'm requesting his presence and input on something, I will probably shout. Yes, I shout. Yes. Okay. However, if he's yelling at me through walls, right. I just don't reply. <laughs> because... What? Because... What? Yeah, because... I don't want to be yell. I don't want to have to yell to talk to him. Uh, of course, but what, so this why is a double is it a, standard. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it is absolutely a double standard. So I just think so I, Daniel will say Miriam, and you will ignore him and refuse to go there. Yeah, probably. And you will say Daniel, and he will come to yeah, your probably. Call. I think I think that's how it works. Like the other day, like literally yesterday, I was in the bathroom. He was yelling from downstairs, and I can only hear this murmuring, and I can tell he's like yelling at me for something not yelling at me yeah, yelling yeah. to me for something yeah and because if you think about what happens from there it's Miriam and I'm going to yell back what what's going on and he's like and then we're going to continue yelling until one of us comes to the other person okay so that's why I'm just skipping that yelling match and I'm, and I'm just pausing so I, he I got that, it yeah. but why does it not work the other way around probably because I want to do the less walking to the other person <laughs> So he's always the person doing the walking to me. Yeah. I knew this would be a good question. That is funny. For you? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Are you just, you just. I'm happy either way. Yeah. Um, I definitely do not do you, which is, (laughs) I will yell, you come to me, but I will not come to you. I will absolutely uh, yell for Michael to come or do something or whatever. And, and vice versa. However, with Rose, I will always say, don't yell at daddy, go and ask him a question, which means that I need to go ask him a question because I'm modeling that behavior. She's seen me do it. So I have to think to myself, either she's allowed to yell yell through the rooms because that's what we do and that's just how it works, or I'm going to have to get up and not yell through. So that's, that's the difficulty. Do you know what started emerging as well is I have this problem where if we're in a conversation, sometimes my just, my, I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes anyone will be talking to me and looking me in the eyes as he's talking and my brain just goes somewhere else. I'm sure I can't be the only one. And then what he does, he, he's starting to pick up, he knows when that starts to happen and he'll just drop in like a random series of words to test whether I'm listening. Do you or only not. do this to him or is this? No, he a... does it to me. I'm the one whose brain wanders. Yeah. 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 So you're daydreaming or doing yeah. something somewhere. Yeah. And he He'll just do like purple monkey potato in the middle of his talking and to see whether or not I am actually listening or not. Okay, but do you do this to me? Dan like is this other people you do this to when they're talking to you? Will you go off and daydream? Or is this a Daniel-specific problem? Sorry, what were you saying? 
Uh, I think for other people, I'm more conscious of focusing. Whereas it's when, when you're with your spouse, you're a bit more relaxed and you indulge the daydream a bit. So, okay. you know, I probably am a little bit more... Fo- or sometimes I do feel myself doing it. Like today, for instance. Oh, yes. I was just telling you, I was catching up with Jason. Yes. And we were having a coffee. And there was a person next to him. This is a little bit different because it's not so much a daydream as I'm distracted. There's a person next to him that I know I know. And I know when they get up from their coffee, she's going to come over and say hello, and I can't remember her name. Oh, but that's fine. That happens all the time. Yeah, but Jason's talking to me. And meanwhile, I'm not listening to what he's saying. I'm thinking about... And so at that point, I actually say, can you just pause for a moment? And I need to quickly check my LinkedIn and figure out this woman's name. Yeah, great. And then I do that. And he's, like, totally understanding. And also, it depends on the person. Because he's a mate, I feel like I can do that. Whereas if it was a different person, I'd I'd just focus back and just ignore it and think, oh, well... Hopefully. So how yeah. often you, are you away with the fairies when Daniel's talking to you? Good 50% of the... No, Stop no, 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 no. Oh, Stop no. It's it. only times of day. And 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 sometimes it's if, like, we've even had a conversation about something else earlier and I haven't yet mentally moved on from that conversation. So not not often. Not often. He, he's, he's good. He's very... And he doesn't do this to you either? No. He's so good. He is the best listener I know. So how does he put Amazing. up with you just checking out oh, during a conversation? Well, <laughs> well, he does it. This is the thing. He's like, hello, are you even listening? <laughs> yeah. I'll wait until your focus is back in the loving way. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's hilarious, isn't it? Do you yeah. do anything? You do, do you check out of conversations? No. No, you're very present. Mm. Wow. Because I just won't talk otherwise. If I'm not if I'm not going to be in the conversation, I'd rather not talk. Wow. Interesting. And there's no half conversation. Oh, it's a full yeah. conversation or not at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Hmm. How's your week been? It's been good. Oh, I have a confession to make. Oh, great. I went to golf without you this morning. <laughs> I was about to, I was waiting to Yeah, I forgot to tell you. You did something wrong. I didn't, well, I did. Well, there is something wrong. I did. Because I definitely could have made it as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. It was an afterthought. And then I was like, well, I haven't really seen Shannon on my and own. I, and, and the ironic nature is, because of the interview... Today, I didn't go to this big golf tournament because oh, this was the only time that everyone could do it. So I didn't go to this big golf tournament. If it's any consolation, it was raining like for most of the time. That's fine. Like, yeah. It was good though. I was, I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. Are we going on the course before you leave? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. How was your week? I did a parenting mistake. Do tell. Rose. So Rose is three and a half. She was upset. And she said that she wanted to calm down in her room. Norm- she said that. Yeah. I want to calm wow. down or go in my room or wow. read a book. Or- and normally we stay with her. So normally we'll stay with her, give her a hug. Um, because children learn to regulate their emotions through the calmness of their parent. Not being told to calm down or not being left to- in their room to their own devices. Right. They can only regulate emotions through our behavior. Right. And if we are calm, that calmness radiates to them. Right. Anyway, she said, I want to be by myself. Absolutely fine. Didn't think anything of it. Next minute, she's crying in the toilet because she had decided to take all of her hair clips and flush them down the loo. Oh, no. And she was asking Daddy to get them out of the loo and bring them back. Oh, no. And he had to explain that once they're flushed down the loo, they don't come back. Nothing comes back. And then she said... And now I'm going to have to go tell mummy I've flushed all the hair clips down the loo. And Michael said, yes. Yes, you will. And then she came in distraught. 
to explain that all the hair clips had been flushed. And the thing is, is I'd, I'd bought a lot of them that day for her uh. because she's got this real thing with glitter and rainbows and sparkles. And I just, just got bought her a present from H&M. And literally cash was flushed down the toilet. Oh, no. Because she never even wore them. So is the lesson there that you she shouldn't have been left on her own yeah. while she was... Okay, oh, she, it's our fault. It's okay. not her fault. Yeah. Can't blame a three-and-a-half-year-old for anything they do, really. Yeah. It's totally our fault. She was upset, and we should have stayed with her and said, oh, you know, you can be upset, but we're just going to sit in this room and be there for okay. you and all of this because... When you're in that red brain, that rage, you do things yeah. that you're going to come to regret, which was her rage. I'm going to flush these hair clips down the loo. I really regret that. Part of me thinks there is a lesson, still a lesson in like, yes, when you flush, for her, like there's still a lesson in when you flush things down the toilet, they don't come back. That was still a micro lesson in it for her, right? Yeah, I don't know if she'll remember. She's so young. Yeah, well... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if yeah. anything else gets flushed yeah. down the loo. Oh, bless. Yeah. It's always a parenting. Have you ever had your foot scraped? Random change. Foot? foot a Chinese pedicure, it's called. Oh. Where they scrape all the skin off your feet. It sounds delectable. It is amazing. Have you just had it done? Yes. At a... Place on the North Shore. And I used to get it done about six years ago. Thought the guy had left New Zealand randomly thought to myself i really miss those chinese pedicures typed that into google and it came up and it was the same guy i used to go to six years ago and set up this other place and it's so incredible just, i'm just imagining this beautiful this, comfortable chair no, you have a foot spa beforehand mm. and then they get out these brand new clean <laughs> razors <laughs> <laughs> i'm just imagining them grating your yeah. old foot yeah, it's amazing. Over this grater and all this dead skin. No, it's with, it's basically like a razor scalpel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, not as intense as the way I've just explained it. It's really, really, really amazing. And your feet are incredible, incredible afterwards. Wow. Yeah, I do. They feel amazing. I do. I actually have been rubbing my feet against each other oh, wow. because they are so smooth. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> my, Michael's in, in store for some nice uh, footwork tonight. Uh, that's interesting. I'm I'm definitely a fan of the old pedicure. I get pedicures with some regularity. I feel like you need to try this, and then we can compare. But do they do your nails as well? I feel like it's kind um, of a waste if no, they don't do your nails. No, it's not. It's not a pedicure place like you think I it is. Know. You can have a massage and spa treatments. It's more of a day spa. Oh, it is. So they, but they anything. do. They don't do pedicures. You saying? Well, it's a called a Chinese pedicure, but think of it as skin, dead skin okay. scraping. My feet aren't like the, I find the treatment that they do at the pedicure place is pretty good. Like they get the old pumice okay. thing out and they dig it I love my favourite bit this is going to be TMI this is so gross my favourite bit is when they get that little that, that tool that's got yes. almost a little hook on it and they get right in there with the big toe <laughs> around where all the dirt gathers and they just scoop out this this hunk of gunk that's been sitting there for I really think knows. you would love this Chinese pedicure yeah interesting it's so ticklish though it's tickling though uh, yeah it is yeah so um, the next thing to talk about is we are going on a steam train ride <gasps> on Sunday. I'm very excited this about cute. this. So cute. So you, me, Michael mm -hmm. and Daniel. So us and, and, our, and our husbands and Rose. And she's very excited. I'm, is she excited? So about we're in the first class carriage. Oh my gosh. Having morning tea. High tea. Is it cute? High tea. High tea. In Waikiki on the steam train I'm to so celebrate excited. the king's birthday. Okay, question, and I want you to be really honest here. 
is Rose mostly excited just because I'm coming? Yes. Yes! <laughs> very excited. So do, do you think she'd... Maybe I should pick her up some glitter. And I think this is going to be a... Should I buy some glittery hair clips? Oh my god, yeah. Could you imagine? Yes. If okay. You can, if you get the opportunity okay. to do absolutely I'm going to try. I'm going to try and do that. That would be before. next level amazing. Okay. That, well, you got them from H&M? Yeah. Just at the, in the kids' department? Or any, any... Honestly, don't bother about H&M. Like yeah. Any... Sparkly? Are they the? Are they the? They don't have any kid size. They're just normal sparkly okay. hair Great. clips that just fit in somewhere. Great. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll aim to do that. Amazing. Do that. She yeah. will love that. Yes. And I always think that the version of Rose you will see is not really representative of what it's like to be a parent. So you will see her super excited, and it's just I remember being around kids that age thinking I can't wait to be a parent. It's so magical, and it truly is. But you just don't appreciate all the prep work that goes into getting us there, because we'll be like it takes us about three hours to get out of the house because wow. of the chaos. So the prep work to get there, and then the aftermath of all the excitement. Amazing! I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> it will be cute. It's going to be great fun, and She'll I love very that. Excited. Also, it's not just this is not really just. For the girls, this is like Michael and Daniel oh, yeah. are so excited about this as well. Steam train, cozy places. I sent you a video of Michael recently when we went to Motat and they'd had a steam day and all the mechanics and the engines and the video is so cute. And because, the engineer in him was like, yeah. oh. hi, I'm, I, Michael said, hi, I'm 40 to the video. I like, I love my videos and photos. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I'm super excited about this steam and the mechanics and what's happening. It's it was so cute. So, cute. so sweet. I'm excited about our guest yes. today, Shona. Shona Grundy. So I met her. Um, I reached out because she just she was a judge at the New Zealand High Tech Awards, and she posts a lot on LinkedIn. She just seemed like someone I'd, I'd want to reach out to and have a great chat, and we did. And I thought she was fantastic. And she's now, she'll tell us more about it, but she's now a fractional COO. So she's created her own company and it, she has a passion about founders, startups, high growth experience. Uh, her, her experience beyond that is deep. So she's been a COO for a lot of other companies. Um, she's a director of a, f of a few companies. And yeah, I mean, just can't wait to really hear her background and... Have a, have a chat, really. So she's... We're, we're recording this from your lounge. She's not arrived yet. So no. we better skedaddle upstairs and get this cheese board together in advance of our interview with her because apparently she's going to be here in literally two minutes. And for other guests that are listening... <gasps> The, oh, yeah. cheese, the cheese board is because, bless her, she's come from a whole day of meetings. Yeah. She's currently on the North Shore traveling to St. Helier's and then she will have to drive out west and it's quarter past five so I thought for the effort she's going to, to be here, yes. the least I could do was yes. get her some cheese and bread and nice things. So if you too are interested in coming on Big Mistake, then you would receive this royal treatment as well. Don't. It's certainly not favoritism. On that note, we hope you enjoy this Big Mistake episode with Shona Grundy. Shona, hello. Thank you for coming on Big Mistake. And as a starting point, Anna and I feel pretty chuffed that you're here. And you were saying earlier, Anna, that we have had a pretty good run yes. with people saying yes. And we're interested to know, one, why did you say <laughs> yes? And two, uh, yeah, well, actually, just the well, one. What, what prompted you to well, say yes? Yeah, and then I've got another question. Yeah, I love saying yes to, like, meeting Aww. people 
You know, I, I when people reach out to me, I'm going to say this now and then, bam, people are going to like flood it and I'm like, oh no, I've done too much. Um, I think it's really important to say yes and go out and talk to people and meet people. I think um, the world revolves around people and business, everything. It's all about people. So mm. that's how I feel. Amazing. I loved your response to our email. So we reached out to you on email and you replied to us saying that you had had a conversation recently mm with a friend who said everything you touch is gold you're always successful yeah and your email to us said I can't even believe that my friend thought that about me yeah and that is not my life and I was fascinated by that response yeah I actually um my heart sank when they said that to me so a colleague I've known for about 10 years Mm. I think I was just talking about another business I was doing I'm always doing something my husband my my husband is always doing something too we have a plaque up on our wall called the Grundy hustle and it's just yeah that's it like that's what we have and we're all we just love it we've been like that since we met um we met at 22 and 23 and we'd take long drives through England and just talking about his business my work talking about different ideas we've always had like this really sort of entrepreneurial spirit to us and uh, so we got, we're always doing things. So I was talking to this work colleague I've known for about 10 years, just having a beer. And I just went, oh, yeah, so we're doing this water thing. And he just stopped me and he went, is there anything that you do that has ever failed? And I was just like, what? Like, that's insane. Like, I can't. And it, it actually made me feel a bit sick because um, I wondered what I was doing and saying to project this reality of or this reality of perfection. And I'm just like, oh my god, so many, so much heartache, so so many failures, um, and maybe I wasn't talking about those enough, and that's kind of sad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the Grundy Hustle. Yeah. How did that come about? <laughs> I love this concept, mm. and I love it that it's between spouses. Yes. As yeah. Uh, so um, my husband is is a real dynamite salesperson, and in fact, his CEO was the chairman of my board, and he was my business mentor. There's a bit of interlacing things. He he was he was the CEO of Christchurch International Airport. Wow. He was on the chairman of my board. He was my business mentor, but he was also my husband's boss. That's how I met him. I really admired him, and asked him if he would mentor me. And anyway, he, he talked about my husband saying, yeah, your husband, he's just, he's like a cannon. You kind of, you know, I'll have the strategy and then I point him at it and it's just like, boom, when he explodes <laughs> off. And, and he just defined it as, I'm just always hustling. And I was like, oh. And so he had this plaque made for him um, at his office at work called the, you know, Grundy Hustle. And um, and then he brought it home and it's in our office and yeah. So, Amazing. Yeah. so good. <laughs> and, and are you as equal a salesperson and hustler? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I was once told by my... So I closed an investment round. First, anyone had ever heard of it because it was in 2000 and I'm going to say 12, 12 um, with a Hong Kong VC on a video call. people were like how does that happen you've got to get on a plane you've got to get there and I was like um I don't know I just sort of sold it and he met me once for dinner in New York or something and he said honestly you're one of the best sales CEOs I've ever met wow and um and I think it came from so I worked in the music industry in the UK years ago and I just had to work my way up and uh 
one of my jobs was I had to do this job called plugging, which I don't know if it exists anymore. Uh, but you'd have your songs from your record station and the idea of plugging was you had to call every radio station in London, mm. um, which there were over 100, and constantly sell the song. Are you going to play the song? You're going to play the song all week. And that was my job. My boss had this mission. And and I got our song to like top 20 um, doing that. And my boss took me to lunch. And they just kind of taught me like how you become, uh, break down the gatekeeper walls. And so with that, I mean, when I was at Soul Machines, I got meetings with um, David Beckham's people, Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, management team. I would fly in and meet with them and the team would go, wait, how did you get that meeting? And I'm like, I asked. Yeah. 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 So I understand gatekeepers and things like that. I love that for two reasons. One, it shows that you just don't know what experiences you have in your early career Mm. that is actually going to help you along down the line. Because I think people can be quite discouraged when they think oh you know this first job that I got it's not where I want to be it's not in the right industry I'm not learning what I want to be doing but actually to hear you say this job I did which was completely unrelated to what I do now in a completely different industry actually set me up to be successful and help me in my success as a professional now so that was the observation the question I had was what did you say when you were on the phone? Talk, talk us through. Do you remember what were some of those tactics? So you get someone on the phone and they say, hello, it's Mike here. What do you want? So I know that you have to, they have gatekeepers for like famous people. Yep. Because I'm working in the music industry, I understand that scene. Yep. Uh, and so it's not, uh, it's not their traditional routes. You often have to like Google and hunt through like who's their PA yeah. or yes. who's their, you know, you're, you're Definitely. looking for their gatekeeper um, and then if you get it and you're just calling, call, 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 no emails, like people hide behind emails now and like pick up the phone. So good, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I know I have to pitch and it's one or two sentences and I don't know what I said, but it's always like, okay, what's going to drive them? What do they want out of this? What will, what will get them excited? And so there's two cultures, one in the United States, which is they'll give anyone 20 minutes, and one and in the UK, which is they won't meet with anyone if they don't think you're worth it. Um, so, wow. yeah. That relates to our conversation last week, but I was saying, coming from the UK. Oh, yes. yes, yes oh, yes, yes. Well, there you go. You know that, right? Yeah. It is, you've got to, like, build towards that trust. Yeah. So the UK, I had to go in through, with David Beckham's people, I had to go in through my people. So they had yeah. worked on... Um, with like Simon Cowell and Simon Fuller and, and we'd done the, you know, uh, American Idol and um, yeah, I come from a boy band era. Uh, <laughs> and so I knew, I, I knew that I had to find out from them who the gatekeepers were. And all that Spice Girls. And then, oh yeah, we worked with them. Wow. And uh, so we had, to, so I knew that to get in there, I had to go, I know these people. I work with so-and-so. Okay. You know. I just want to tell you what I'm doing. Great. So there's a bit of a hook from the outset. It's like, quickly, here's my credibility up front. This is why you should keep talking to me and not hang up. Yes. They needed the trust. So on the UK, it's trust first Mm. is built. Like, trust is required. 
Um, otherwise, well, I'm not going to give you my time. I'm not, you're not in your head, Anna. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Yep. So you think that applies more broadly as well across no, across? No. no, no, it's culturally, it's different in the US. No, I mean, I mean, big about it. I oh. mean, just outside of this job description that you're talking, this this role that you're talking about. If we take a step back and think of business between cultures, I'm yes. about to go and um, run some training sessions in London. Yes. And yeah, it's been hard to mm. break through mm. because, but when I knew had a business client that has a, that's yes. got a presence in the UK, that was suddenly easy. Yes. So Definitely. I'm just thinking. Yes. That, applies, uh, yeah. Because industry, it's all about who you know. Of course. And, and yeah. um, I understand, like I lived there for six years. And so I understand why there's this distrust. Um, you know, you've got people on the tube, like annoying you and, and you're just like, just focus straight ahead and, <laughs> don't make know, eye contact yeah no don't make eye contact whereas in the u.s so i went to high school there wow. and, I, and i did a lot of um, i was there every four to six weeks so i know that culture really well and i know it's 20 minutes in if i can get to the right person to book the calendar anyone will give me 20 minutes if i have uh, just the right ele like elevator pitch that is relevant to their work am i in the right line of business can i help make them money right Great. bang and you're in they'll give you 20 minutes and so i see a lot of new zealanders go up and they're like oh and they'll book in an hour mm. and i'm like oh my god you can't do that like that's super rude yeah. so 20 minutes but if you have something they want you're in for an hour hour and a half Great. you know and you know the meeting's going really well mm. because they're like yes keep talking and they'll bring in new people and and um yeah it's a cult yeah it's an interesting cultural thing if you just uh, flip a coin, you you can't live in New Zealand. You've got to live in the UK or the <laughs> states. Well, I suppose states is is lumping all the states together, of course. But between cultures, if you had to pick one, where would you live? Out of those yeah. two, oh god, um, probably the UK. If it wasn't so dark and cold, <laughs> so dark, so, so cold, so and dark. then because of that, it would be either Oregon or LA. That's where I'd live. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. When you're in London, I mm. hope you get to see the rare days of sunshine. Because when you do, you just think that this country... It's, it's like going to Wellington. Yeah. So when you're in Wellington and the sun comes out, you think this is the most incredible, beautiful city. Mm. I love it here. I could live here. I love the UK. And then it's the mm. same with the UK. When you're there and the sun's out and you see all these castles and, and just beautifulness, you just think, wow, this is spectacular. Mm -hmm. But you don't appreciate what it's like to live there for... A long, the whole year. Yeah. The whole year. One yeah. of the most stunning countries in the world. Yes. Like people don't realise how beautiful it is. And, and that's a shame, you know, because everyone's so busy moaning about the weather. <laughs> Basically, I did a sun calendar one year. This is the year before I came to New Zealand, which was my sun calendar for a year where I crossed out days of sun, where the sun <laughs> broke through the clouds. I saw it. For the majority of the day? For the majority of okay. the day. Seven what there were seven mm. sundays mm. in that year in the uk mm. and i lived mm. in the south of uk i'm not i wasn't yeah, so by, it's intense by doodle door or something oh, yeah. yeah a doodle door <laughs> i mean you're talking about like door? it's a beautiful beach yeah oh. <laughs> it's um it's dark at 3 30 oh yeah yeah i lived there for a year it <laughs> is not it is yeah it's, it is depressing yeah. <laughs> Big mistake. So mm. the the purpose of big mistake is to unpack one m mistake that comes to mind. Mm. Ideally professional, and really that is for a chance for us for, for us the three of us to unpack. 
that mistake that was made mm. and talk and then about hopefully it. it leads on to others as well. So mm. when I say big mistake, what comes to mind for you? And paint us a bit of a paint us a bit of a picture. Well, I would say the the biggest heartache I've ever had in business was with my um, first tech startup, which was Trigger Happy and um, it was a platform where everyone and anyone could make their own animated content. Um, when we started out, we had an animation. I came from film, uh, music, then into film and television, and then technology for film and television, which in this case was um, animated content. And then that went on to the licensing of characters with like Warner Brothers and Disney and things like that. And um, we were winning awards. We were doing so great. When How we old would you be at this time, roughly? 36. Uh, oh no, I was forty by the time we closed it. Okay. Um, I started it though. I, I started the animation company started when I was about thirty, yeah. Um, and so uh, my yeah. So the 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 big mistake part was uh, we were raising capital. You know, we had launched on the Apple App Store. Apple had called us up before we launched and said. Oh my God, what are you guys doing? This is freaking bonkers. It's so good. Like we had patents wow. and there was, no one had ever seen anything like this before. Well, and what was it? Um, it was self-animated cartoons. Like to be to be able to animate back there in, in 2010, you had to have three, three years of training to be a very poor animator. Wow. And so there was no, like, tools to help you. You know, there was no Canva or, you know, nothing to help you create content easily. Like, YouTube had only just launched, right? You've got to think about where we are here. And um, So, I just to jump in there. Yeah. So, I, as I understand it, so I've watched a, uh, some content that you can download this app. You can download, correct me if I'm wrong, Shona, Characters, animated your favorite animated characters, whether it's Spider Man, Wonder Woman, Harry mm. Potter, into this platform and animate them through basic screen interaction tools like swiping and moving up yeah. and down, and they would respond and, and add voices. Your voice and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and through doing this, your is the user creating little storylines that they can then use for social or yes so social back then was really uh only facebook yeah. um and there was tumblr tumblr yeah uh so yeah it was for them to share on the social platforms or we had our own toon heroes platform and so apple even like i said we're just like what is this? this is incredible and we flew over to the uh head of our region's office in sydney to meet with them and they said we want to support the launch of this all around the world. Um, wow. Can you hold? Can you hold your launch off and translate this into fourteen languages? And we were like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so it was going super well, and we were working with all these licenses and brands. So Apple say to you, hold off the launch, mm. translate it into fourteen mm. languages, and they paying you in this moment. No, we mm. just turn to our board and say, um, we're going to use the money for this, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. So, so we did and we invested in and we hustled and we moved really fast and um, shout out to Straker Translations if you're looking for translations, incredible. Um, it's an online platform for translations. So we used them, um, everybody worked their guts out, um, we got it up and we launched and we were on 150 what's hot front pages around the world with Apple. They just went, boom, we're supporting you. It was awesome. And then we had 180,000 downloads in the first week. 
we were going great guns, right? And um, we were running out of money. And we were, this was 2014. Um, and as you can imagine... Was it a free download? Free download and you pay um, incremental purchasing, in-app purchasing. Okay, so there's 180,000 people in that first week yeah. may have been paying small, oh, small amounts, not yeah. enough. No, not at all, because you're building the trust. It's always like, okay, we'll use the free stuff, see what we can do. And, a bit like and what ChatGPT is doing at the moment, right? Gotcha. Yeah, and you start figuring out the business model and building the trust and, and the engagement and things. What are Apple saying at this moment? They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're great. So we're running out of money, and uh, and one of our investors, so this is the big mistake, one of the investors... Um, he was disgruntled. There wasn't many to choose from for a start, but he was a little disgruntled that he didn't hold as much of a shareholding as he'd like to. And I'm thinking, well, there's a round open. You can go for it. Um, but it was, I don't know really what it was, but I have heard that this is how it works, that when they when it's all blue skies and there's a lot of competition to, to get your investment in, you hold the power. But if they can see that there's a runway coming out, they hold the power. And I was warned of this by uh. one of the directors sitting on the board who had gone through this as well. He was like, just be very careful of that. But I thought there was a really good relationship. And I um, basically didn't go out for a full round. He said, I'm going to do the bridge round. Um, and, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Here's X, Y, and Z you need to do. You need to cut your staff by half. We were, by this time, flying. <laughs> cut your staff by half, and you and your brother, which he is my co-founder, um, have to take a big pay cut. And so instead of focusing on the round, um, I, I was just like, what the heck? And the chairman said, no, 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 just do it. Just do it, and he'll get you that bridging round. So instead of focusing on the round, I focused in on making half my company redundant you know that is a mess it was massive How are you wow. talking about so um there was only 24 of us so you know brutal and brutal, brutal. Yeah. and man and so they got it uh, you know god bless them the like the most understanding staff and then the remaining staff they like doubled down mm. you know they were just so there was no sort of um yeah, there was no sort of goodwill lost. Everyone just went, okay, fine, this is what we've got to do. Wow. And then we were a two-week, and but I still didn't like, it was really hard to find investment. You've got to imagine New Zealand was tiny, almost nothing. And uh, you could get your pre-seed here, maybe a bit of seed, but definitely nothing like an A round. No. And uh, so I, I sort of dropped, I dropped the ball and I believed and trusted that we'd at least get this. And we had two weeks before the, um, our runway was going to end. And I went to the board table and I said, I've done all the things you wanted to do. And he just sat there and he said, I've changed my mind. Wow. And that was the end of my company. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a massive mistake. So I learned, so I learned that. So I work with high growth startups. Um, and this is, I, I work really closely with co-founders doing their strategies and mostly helping them raise investment that's always going right and that's the thing i'm always coaching them on they're like oh yeah so we're going to do a you know we're going to do a, a convertible note that's fine but when you're going out for a round you go out 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 you create fomo you make sure everybody knows you do not just go with the 
you're trusted in the ones you know because yeah. it turns and mm. um yeah so when i'm like no that's not enough go fuck farther wider you know well give everybody the opportunity so that you're not reliant on one person and it's giving them the control right so yeah you've got to be careful of control well yeah the fatal mistake of all the eggs in one basket yes it is yeah so let's say i'm interested in your chairman's perspective was was it was was he buddies with this no that he genuinely thought this was the best option yeah i'd say yeah. he learned a lot from it too yeah yeah a little naive um perhaps and yeah. just um and not in a malice horrible way yeah. like in a i uh, he learned too yeah i think he yeah he was probably wounded by I think it as he well was shocked yeah wow. so you're in that meeting he says this is the end yeah and what do you, what's your reaction? <laughs> uh, I just got up and walked out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tears, screaming, uh, throwing I, things. Well, I went so. next door to my office and, yeah, and I... Throw a match behind <laughs> you as you walk out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I shut the door. I was probably in my office in tears and they were in the boardroom next door with my executive assistant giving her instructions about how we're going to start shutting the company down or the next thing she was to do. And she came in and said, I need to, uh, I've been told by the board, I need to do this. And that's when I marched back in and said, she is my executive. She does not report to you. She reports to me if you want any instruction done, it comes through the CEO. And they were like, no, you're right. So (laughs) they pulled their heads in. I think in their minds, they were just like, oh, well, this will just help her out. And I was like, no. I'm still the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So how many years did you work on that? How much? Well, that entire business was 12 years, and that's where my books have come out of as well. So I still hold all – my books stayed in another company, so yeah. I still hold all the rights to those, and they still sell today. And those are the children's books you're talking about. Yeah, those are the children's books. Um, uh, the company itself was four years and $4 million. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So going back in time – Let's say you're at that stage where you're aware you're running out of money. What was, I know you've alluded to it just before about Mm. the lessons that you're instilling Mm. with these startups that you work with. Mm. What would have been, had you had your time again, what was the alternative strategy? In in practice, what does it look like? I think in practice, uh, I think I could have given that investor, I, I think part of me blamed him a lot. You know, I was just like, was you know what was wrong with him and why would he just want to scuttle the company and you know I could tell he was quite emotional about things as well so looking back you know I take on some of the responsibility of that as well like I wonder could I have gotten to the bottom bottom of where his pain was and what he was trying to achieve and figured out a deal where he felt more comfortable uh, do you mean this is after he said no I've changed my mind during the process oh, during the process oh because there was there was times when he rang me up and just said I'll just give you a million dollars for all your shares and stuff like that was going wow. on and I was like what no like there's an investment round yeah. <laughs> uh, it was quite confusing to me uh, and, and there were other investors so I was like I can't do that deal you know that that not only down rounds the whole round severely but all the other investors, their shares become worth almost nothing because, you know, my brother and I hold hold the most shares. And also, without me in the... I was kind of questioning him, don't you understand this business lives and dies by my brother and I? I hold all the relationships with the studios and he is the inventor of the product. 
without us in it, who's going to run it? Yeah. So most, to, he was also a very, I, looking back, I would never have gone with an inexperienced investor. Uh, that was probably the number one. So working with these VC firms and, and angel groups, I feel is far better. This was a high net worth individual that mm-hmm. came in. So he was confused too. Like I've never been in a room where a VC, I've been in an opposite room where a VC will turn to the founders I'm working with and say, well, how how, how big is your shareholding still? Can you remind me? And they'll go, oh, we're holding 80. And they're like, great, great. That's good. You've got to hold it. You know, most VCs and investors know you have to keep the founders engaged by having, by making sure they have the majority shareholding especially at that age mm. and stage yeah. but yeah he was trying to take us out like he was just so it was strange. weird what, what I find surprising and this might be a lack of my understanding from from not having spent time in the industry but the fact that it was the 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 fact that it was going gangbusters mm. and going so well mm-hmm. and yet money was lost and even though mm. the key investor <laughs> pulled the plug that it wasn't somehow... It's all about cash flow. Yeah. yeah. As much money in as fast as you can. Yeah. And so, or that wasn't picked up by anyone? So so the ex, the other investors, they had a policy around how they, they were investors and they're like, oh, we do it to this level. This is how much we do it. So that was fine. They had a policy around... Mm-hmm. They're basically seed investors, mm-hmm. right? And that's fine. Uh, in terms of picking it up, uh, we try to gather together a, a deal with and I did I licensed it off to another company but then and they were interested in so we uh we closed the company with money in the bank and we owed nobody anything Great. and um so that's one of my biggest prides of the whole thing I had um my first chairman who was my mentor and this amazing guy he was just like every first point of agenda was our um was our accounts and our burn down well wow. That was like, if we run out of time, we've always talked about the account. So that was always key. And he always did things like making sure and everybody's um, holiday pay is here, right? And all those things, you know, making sure that... The foundational stuff. Yes. And he was like, I will... He was just like, I'm not going to be responsible for a company who operates illegally. Yeah. So uh, that was great. So we shut the business down and went into liquidation with 30K in the bank. Right. And this relates, by the way, to our friend Sheridan Broadbent. So she often talks about um, how she's all over the detail all mm, the time. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't sit on a board. She's not over everything. Yeah. She'll Absolutely. She'll rifle through all the documents, all the accounts. She's over it all. Great. That's the one, number one thing as a director you must be doing. I can't stand it when people go, oh, you've got financial training. How are our accounts looking okay? Yeah. It's like, no, dude. Like, I when I first was a CEO, I was terrible at yeah. math and account. I was like... Oh, I'm a creative. <laughs> and then I went, no, like okay. now I'm all over, like all over accounts, all over Great. data. I do all the P&Ls. I, I you know, I, I sit on advisory boards and uh, I don't leave that to anyone. You know, I, yeah. that's the most important thing. Yeah. The strategy and things like, you know, who knows if it will work yeah. or not, but we do know about the numbers. So is that something you mentioned before this, this mentor mm. of yours, was that something clearly because of the behaviors that he uh, and 
and standards that he yes. held you to. Mm. One, did you learn that from him? Yes. And two, what else? It sounds he sounds like an amazing guy. What else did you learn? He's from now him? the CEO of Genesis Energy, oh. so he just moved there. But he's amazing. Um, Malcolm Johns, mm. uh, amazing man. What else did I learn from him? He used to just say awesome things like. Um, reach for the stars and you might land on the moon, like just go for it. He taught me what it meant to be a chairman. I had to get a chairman as part of the agreement of the last round. And I was like, what is a chairman? Mm. Like, what, what's the role? How does this work? You know, I'm, uh, this is my first time I've ever been a CEO and I've started up and he was like, okay, let me explain it to you. Mm. There is, uh, there must be a division between um, executive function and the board uh, he would say things like, my role as the chairman is to align myself next to the CEO and the vision because that's what the um, investors and shareholders have invested in, yes. the CEO and the vision. Um, the board isn't there to like challenge you and because that's where it becomes dysfunctional and toxic mm. when the board come in thinking they know best. Their job is not to um, tell me what to do. It is to challenge my assumptions and just check my thinking and, and, and raise risks as well as, you know, check on the fiscal responsibilities Correct. and the legal responsibilities. So he explained, my job is to align to you before every meeting. You and I will always meet and you'll talk to me about your strategy and where we're at. And I will have a clear understanding of where you intend to go and why you intend to do that. So that by the time we go into the boardroom, I'm completely aware of everything you're going to talk about like nothing he gets no surprises and that way he can support me and he also said he was also very clear about how we sit in the boardroom he would say uh, I want you to have two chairs on either side of you that are free <laughs> and when we invite when you invite executives into the room because the board wants to meet with you they must sit on one side of you because if they're on an other, on another side of the room and that attention gets directed across the table to them you can't bring that attention back to you wow. to protect your executive team so he said there's got to be a division so you must have them sitting on one side of you so that if it gets out of hand you can quickly pull it back to you so there are all sorts of really wow. neat strategies that is that so me. cool and, so even, cool. and <laughs> even just the i'm wondering as well i can imagine by doing that it also shows an alignment between the executive of this we're here together mm. we're not here as individuals yes. we're here as as a team yes. and we sit together and this is what we stand for yes that is fascinating yes. so it was a, a when he was the chairman of my board and he understood all those rules and the so, social is not only just like how do you do it but the social and psychological nuances yeah. of a board uh it was highly functional and very very positive board it was awesome um, but unfortunately, when he left to go on to be the, you know, the, take on this massive role, he's like, I can't do this anymore. Um, you know, it, it just the dynamics changed because there were people in the room who didn't understand the psychology of a board. Uh, and so then it became about people were, I felt that people were on the board more to protect their investment rather than to support me and what I was doing. So you're saying that he set, otherwise had previously set the right tone. Oh, yeah. And when he left, that, that It just culture. fell apart. They didn't understand. Wow. They didn't understand why they were at the table. They just... I can tell now that they thought they were at the table to protect their own investment. 
because not and don't, and don't yeah. get me wrong not all, not every um the vcs weren't at the table and stuff like that they were uh, they were observers sometimes and got yeah mm. the vcs didn't sit there the, the power of strong leaders yeah. i've always said that i follow people so mm. i follow good people leaders over anything else, really. Hairdressers, Pilates instructors, where they <laughs> With my go. career, really. We are, yeah. And both of us. <laughs> also good people. You've been going to the same salon for, yeah, like, how long? Pretty loyal. Five, six years? Fourteen. Fourteen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can't break out with people, can you? <laughs> I don't know how to say goodbye. <laughs> if they're good. <laughs> if they're not, they're out. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So you've lost everything, let's say, with a business. Mm. And the business has shut down. Mm. How do you pick yourself up? Oh, uh, I didn't get out of bed for two weeks. <laughs> um, and, and my old chairman actually took my husband and I out for dinner and he said, just watch her. I went off to the restroom and he was like, just watch her. She'll be this and that and she won't be very good. And, and whoa, um, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Is in like... It's heartbreak. Oh, it's just heartbreak. It's like a death. Yeah. But yeah, but what, what was he impl- insinuating? Oh, no, just the, she'll she... be depressed. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to take my yeah, life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, yeah, I've never thought like that. Yeah. Um, so he was just like, just be careful, because he had gone through the loss of a business, so he was very, he understood it. He had he he had started his own business before, and he just said, um, look, um, you know, it's going to be very hard. It's like a death, mm. and I was like, don't be crazy. My mother died two years ago. I know what death is. I know what real loss is. This is not that. It's not that, but it different. Yeah, wow. yeah. So um, I actually. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's big, big. It's funny how these these uh, big moments in life, just just grief in general. I don't yeah. think it has to relate to someone dying. I can you know, think of situations of jobs and moments in time and and loss and. Mm. And I th- I think that's why I get uh, I'm quite um, empathetic towards people in business. Mm, yeah. Like people um, reach out to me all the time and they get made redundant or they lose their business and and I'm always like yes I'll meet you and yeah. I I get it you know like I get the loss so um, yeah so I didn't get out of bed for like two weeks and that was fine I was allowed to like that was Force, all right ride the wave and then I went I am never working ever again in my life that's how I felt and I was like never doing this ever again and originally I started talking to some um, HR people about getting a job and they just said no 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 you're not to get a job you're to start again and I said get lost I'm not doing that again <laughs> like you don't you don't understand HR recruiters said that yeah yeah they, they do have a purpose this is amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were awesome <laughs> they're like no who's ever heard of an inspirational HR <laughs> they're like everyone. you're amazing not many people can do what you do do you remember who that was yeah no oh. no what an he, amazing conversation yeah and I was like wow just give me a job dude like yeah. <laughs> but then I went I'm never working again um I'm not doing it and so uh, I actually started my water business then, and I didn't really kind of fully realize I had done it. I, it was three months in, and I was so bored. <laughs> I was like running in the forest oh, every day with my dog, and um, you know, on the beach, you know, middle eye with headphones on, dancing because no one could see me because no one else was around. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm I'm quite bored. So, about so in three... your mind, you'd fully retired. Oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, done. I'm done. I'm retired. I'm done. I'll pick up the school kids after school. Just you know, my husband can work, and he's like fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, about three months in, I got a little bit bored, and I started checking out the deep, 
the deep bore under my property and what's that about and started sending off water samples and oh my god it's the highest alkaline water in the world what does this mean and so I started like and then whilst I wasn't working I'm doing this with air quotes whilst I wasn't working I spent 18 months getting our commercial license consents I like was running uh, working with uh, um, environmental engineers and um, hydrologists and and we're doing the reports and submitting them to council and um, doing pump tests and things like that and um, so that took me 18 months to achieve while I wasn't working and then I so relate to this my husband (laughs) always says I'm a dangerous individual if I'm not busy because I just turn my sights on what am I doing what am I going to renovate what's going to happen what (laughs) what am I buying just all these sorts of things and so so he's happiest when I'm super busy maxed out whatever the word is and he's like yep great she's way less of a risk (laughs) no I drive my husband nuts like He's an entrepreneur too, but not, yeah. He's just like, oh my God, you always take it too far. (laughs) (laughs) Too much, too far. As you're Uh, digging under the house, there's some water here. (laughs) So two questions. One, so as you can you elaborate on the fact that you said you didn't know you were doing this at the stage, you didn't know this was the start of the business. So was this Mm. just just your own curiosity? Did you realise, did you at any stage think, there might be something here and two for those that don't know can you explain a bit about aura yeah so um i i kind of want i not that i didn't know i was doing another business i just wanted to keep busy Mm. uh so i probably probably did know it was a business uh it was my friend in the uk who actually used to be one of my um, music artist that I had signed he he was like a he's like this really well-known international supermodel and he's got a as models do they have a lifespan and so he was investing in things and and working on his own projects and he was doing juice ah. and so I talked about the water and I had been getting really interested in this thing called alternative milk so this is how a bit of a long story oh, wow. but I was like oh I, I'm on a lifestyle block 10 acres um, they're pulling out almond trees out of California because there's no water. I've got water. I've got a pump because we used to be a kiwi fruit orchard and wow. it got all pulled out before we bought it. And I was like, maybe I can plant almond trees and just like have the good life. You know, I'm not working. I'm just going to have almond trees. And what, make is al- an, what does an almond tree even look like? Does it grow like a normal tree? And how do yeah. almonds... I have zero idea. What is the, like, yeah? Are they do the almonds? I would have YouTubed it. Yeah, almonds come in a little shell, probably in a fruit. Yeah, and they're yeah. pulped down. Yeah, to get the juice. Yeah, from. I understand how the milk they're is soaked, formed. Yeah. It's a really but, intensive process that right. isn't actually very environmentally friendly. No, of what oh, you do, no. of how to create the juice almond out of the nuts. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, carry on. Yeah, so I was like, great, I'll make almond milk, and he's just going, dude, I make juice. I can tell you how much energy and time and process it takes to um, turn that fruit into juice and then sell it. Uh, why are you turning your good water into something else? He's mm. like, uh, go and do some tests on your water. And I did. And then I brought it back. I had no idea what it was. He's really into health and fitness and, you know, that's what models do. And he said, um, why is it so high in pH? It's 94 Wow. And Evian is 6.9. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really high. And I was like, I don't know, is that good or bad? And he was like, uh, Shona. Like, I had zero comprehension about what this water is. It's super special. Yeah. Um, I've looked... So, so long story short, I was like, okay, I'm going to 
look at this even further and wait, I need to get commercial consents. And uh, so our water is really, really special. Um, it runs, it's 140 meters deep, runs over this lime rock surface like a river. There's 600 million liters every year that run through. It's hundreds of years old. And we have, um, we got contacted by these water people who, who do conferences and things and speaking things all around the world. And this one particular woman called Veda Austin, she's like this water guru. And she knocked on our door and said, um, do you know the water you have? This is the only water I'll drink. It has all these beneficial properties. She was like, it's got a negative charge, which means it's, it helps your cells rejuvenate. It, um, it is source water. So she showed me these examples where she said, um, if I have Evian water over here, Evian water can't take on, um, it can't give its properties to another water. So she put in like these testing strips of like, see the pH, and I think it was um, green in color. And I was like, yeah. And then she put a couple of drops of our water in and the entire Evian water exploded into purple. And she said, your water gives other water properties. Whoa. Yeah, it's real cool. So we have a cult following. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. But people really believe in it. Yeah. And I mean, we might, uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to say it's, it heals things, but like when my aunt was going through cancer, if you're getting chemotherapy, you try and drink the water out of the tap. I mean, my, my mother, Died. Well, I can't even drink the water out of the tap. Yeah. I can't stand the taste of tap Well, water. it's the um, metal as well mm. because it's accentuated from the chemo, right? And so I'd drop it off to my aunt and she was like, I don't know what I would have done without this. You know, yeah. just even that in itself. Um, so she could it was she could stomach it. Yeah, she, she could drink it. And you yeah. mentioned your mum as well. Did she? Oh, she, uh, we, uh, she died before we bought the property. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have people all around the country who drive and come and get it. And then um, we've got all these offshore demands for it now. So, yeah. We're, so we're people just rock up to your property and... They do, build. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do and at the moment. And it's all legal. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also have consents to ship. We do bulk off um, big tankers off to right. people's houses. And so um, we have consents from the council from that because... Um, houses aren't even connected to water. Yeah. So there's an infrastructure So issue. this gave you your mojo back. Yeah, no, what gave me my mojo back was the, the chairman who was with me when the company closed, he was the chairman of another board, and I heard that the CEO got really sick, and it was for a tourism company, like nothing I know, right? And, um, and it was a 30-year-old company, and the, chair, the CEO's sick, and I was like, oh, dude, like, I'm doing nothing. Do, do, you can't just hire a CEO. Do you want me to come in, hold the ship steady? I've got nothing to do. Um, and you can hire your CEO. And he was like, oh my God, you're saving our lives. We've got the property under due diligence on the market. I need you to just come in and hold the ship steady while we sell it. And I was like, okay. Came in, it was um, a fairly small company, 30 years old, 14 staff. And um, and I I couldn't understand, I, I started looking at the data. So that, I mean, I don't understand the industry, but I understand the process and the data. And I couldn't understand why the conversion to sales was so low. Um, so, I, so I went through all those processes and we improved everything with the staff and I got the staff working better and they were happier and, and I increased the sales by 25%. <laughs> in five and he was months. just telling you to hold the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wow. really fun and the staff were happy and they're like, oh, they were really happy. And I was like, I didn't want to tell them 
company's being sold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I finished that and I went, oh God, I miss this. I oh. really love this. And whilst I knew nothing about tourism and it's not my industry, mm. um, I was like, I'm good with people, you know, and I really miss people. So um, yeah, that gave me, that was the thing that gave me my, my wow. mojo back. And so did you stick around? No, they sold the company they and, sold and they made yeah. quite a few people redundant, oh, actually. So. <laughs> on, on, on to the next. Yeah. <clears throat> Wowee. Yeah. Now, I remember on LinkedIn, I think it might have been maybe before Christmas or a moment in time where you said, the company I'm working for at the moment isn't taking off. If anyone has any roles or anything I'm interested in, reach out. Mm. And from memory, you were swamped with inquiries mm. from that one LinkedIn post just yeah. saying, hello, here I am reach out this is what I'm after and you were helping others as well along the way yeah I was always impressed with that yeah I did more than just reach out though like I so it was three weeks before Christmas so yeah so tell the background to the story of what of what happened yeah three weeks before Christmas that we get no notice no holiday payout we're just told there's no money for you anymore so this is the part of that about that having good director responsibilities mm. right and and it was a company you're working for yeah a company i'm working for there's 15 of us and you're the told. coo i was a coo and okay. i was never invited to the board meeting so that gave me red flags oh, yeah wow. yeah so three weeks um, before christmas three weeks before christmas and um and, and i found out that the board meetings never happened that's why i wasn't invited to them. <laughs> so <laughs> imaginary board meetings yeah wow. yeah um so uh i actually approached it from more of an end user point of view, you know. I, uh, you know, having come from product, I was like, okay, I'm in shit. Mm. <laughs> I am not gonna land a job before Christmas, mm. and then I've got four, five, six weeks until I can possibly even think I might get a role. Wow. I've got two months of zero money, nothing. It was just awful, and uh, so that that just got my brain working like. What do I need? How do I need to present this? What's going to happen? And I went, I've got LinkedIn. Mm. They're there for a reason. I've got people. How do I approach this? Um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to ask for help, but yeah. I just went, I love being asked for help. It makes me feel like a good person. Same. If if I can help others, ask me for help. I love it and I'm happy to help. Mm. And I thought, there's gotta be people like that who feel that way. And so I'm not going out there and going and begging or presenting mm. myself as, as less than. It's just like, I'm in a really shitty situation. Hey, LinkedIn, can you help me out? But then the other part to that was, they've got to know my value. What's my value? Like, like I can go help. And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah. Like, what are you Where doing? Can I Who are you? you? What do you yeah. do? Yeah. Like, I've, I think I've got like 5,000 <laughs> connections on there. What do you do this person I randomly connected with yeah. once, you know, yeah, years ago. <laughs> totally known person, yeah. um, and, you know, chat with online. Uh, so I had a five or six page CV, and I thought, when I hire people, I'm looking for stuff. What's their value? Like, I'm trying to get through all this. It's, it's, it's awful hiring people, right? Mm. You'll get 100 CVs. Mm. You're trying to fit this role. You're going through all, you're wading through the rubbish, and you have no time. And you're just reading all these pages and you're going, well, okay, what's their value? What do they do? Who? So, and then your questions around the company, 
Um, what's their jobs been before? What type of industry and company have they worked before? What size company? Is it an enterprise? Is it a startup? Is it a high growth? Have they ever, ever, um, have they ever managed people? And I thought, that's it. I don't need to like, we were taught to go, this is my role. These were my responsibilities. This is what I'm so proud of. And so every job is like three quarters of a page long. Yeah. Whereas LinkedIn is actually your CV. Yes. And, but I was just like, so I, I turned my skills into like an infographic on the side. Amazing. Mm. And then, um, my, so I turned my five or six page CV into a one page with my title. I was like, what am I? You know, like all these jobs, what am I? And I went, I'm a startup and high growth um, technology expert. Great. That's what I do. That's what I am. And then here's my experience. And uh, and I just turned it into one page and I put it up as a, like a photo because I was like, they've got a to actually see thing. it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. um, not, I'll check out my LinkedIn. No. It's like... Here. Remove the barriers for them to understand. Never want someone to click somewhere. Yeah. yeah, here's my value. Hey guys, I'm just, you know, blah, blah. I got 24 job interviews in two weeks. Wow. Amazing. It was crazy. The day after posting that, I had six job interviews in one day. I left my office, so they're all online. How exciting. And I came out crying. Because <laughs> I was so tight. Like everyone's showing me their product and they're showing me the, and we're talking about their problems. And I was just like, okay, concentrate. And I, I came out shaking, so fatigued, crying, but so happy. Yeah. And then I had a nap. came out and had dinner um and so that's how i actually got into what i'm doing now uh i i just i got to a point where i went oh okay out of all these 24 i'm probably really interested in six um some of them have actually said we can't afford you full time Uh, we can give you some contract and i was like okay and they said even a contract tomorrow and and you can start earning tomorrow wow and while you're looking for a job it's like brilliant uh, so I was thinking, you know, just had a couple of days to think about that. And then others were saying, um, yeah, we've got some contracts. I've got a three month contract for you. I've got this, you know, I'm, I, I found out about companies that finished raising. He hadn't even announced it to them, announced it to the market. And they're like, can you come in for a three month and, um, just help us get everything in line so we can hire like 50 people, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, okay. And then I got to a point where I went, there's probably six jobs I'm really interested in and probably two that I really, really, really want. And then I went, oh God, I'm going to take the first job, not the job that I really want because it's three weeks before Christmas. And I went, okay, so it's a race to the first job. Oh God, is that how I'm going to choose my career? And then I went, hang on, these guys offered me like to earn money tomorrow. And I just, and so I rang up my friend who was a fractional executive in Sydney. No, he's in Brisbane, sorry. Sorry, Zach. Um, <laughs> and said, what is this gig? And he explained it to me. And he goes, I'm about to launch a website about it in a community. And I just went, I'm going to do that. And he said, okay, here's how it works. Here's the structure. Here's how we charge. Here's how it works. And, and the gist is you're a consultant, in effect, where you're charging out yourself across a variety of different businesses. Yeah, so it's not a consultant, though. So consultants come in and advise and then walk away. You come You're in, actually doing the work. Yeah, so yeah. instead of charging... You know, a COO can cost anywhere between two forty to three fifty, mm. right? Not many companies can afford that, mm. and that's why they have to hire so low. So they're in the startup trying to do the best work, but they can't hire people who have the experience. So, but then someone like me, 
I can come in um, half a day a week or a day a week, Amazing. but still give them that level of um, And do the work. And I'm doing the work. Great. I'm writing the investment decks. I'm helping them write the strategy. I'm doing their commercial deals with them. I'm, you know, one of my clients has like got, just gone into these big major R&D pilots. They didn't even know how to put it together a pilot term sheet. And I was like, no, this is how it works. And they're in the middle of doing these big international. Everyone wow. gets a piece of you and you're not yeah. bored either. No. Because you just get to experience all these different companies. It was amazing. Yeah, and so I, I took that. on this first client and I said, you are my sign-on client and I will always stay with you no matter what. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. What prompted you to say that? Because they're your sign-on client and I believe in oh, um, yeah. karma. And same, with me and, yeah. same with me and my business. Yeah. Those first clients. Yeah. Of, they oh, they well. trusted me enough yeah. to go, we will... We will give yeah. you that you job done this before, tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is fast trust, right? And yeah. I admire that in someone. Yeah, People great. that put their faith in you in the beginning, before mm. you've got proven results, yeah. before you've done anything that say, yeah, I believe in you, yeah. is just magic. Yeah. And I it kind really of like, like, that just showed me that they had a beautiful innocence of character. It kind of showed me that um, they trusted people first. You know, they didn't have the cynical nature to them. I was like, yeah, these are my guys. Great. Yeah. Great. So, um, so, and I'm still with them and we're doing great. Can you share who they are? Uh, can I, I wonder if they'll be fine with it. I'm sure they'll be fine with it. Um, they're called Sensori. And so they do photogrammetry technology for um, the construction, architecture and wow. um, architecture, construction, uh, engineering industry impressive photogrammetry grammetry grammetry they both come out of weta right they're okay with me talking about that i'm sure they are (laughs) if not we can cut this out (laughs) yeah i'm sure they are um but uh they both come out of weta doing amazing things and that that kind of like i know people who come out of weta are awesome yeah and um one of them um he worked for the nasa uh the european space station mapping the surface of mars and I found this out like months into working with them. I was like, dude, you le- need to lead with that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> like, that's epic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, mm. That must make your life so interesting. I'm just thinking your these pockets of experience that you're, well, they're not pockets, they're, well, they're deep pockets of experience of working across all these different mm. companies. Mm. How do you compartmentalize? Um. So as a chief operating officer, the business is all the same, right? It is, it is really clear what's needed. You, you need to have the why and the mission. You need to have a product market fit. And most of the companies that all my fractional, so I'm in a fractional community around the world of 150 of us now. So we talk all the time and I'm like, it's the same sick stuff, right? right. Like, yeah, like it's crazy. and. So, so we know, we know, and we can recognize it instantly. It's like, oh, they don't have this. Okay. They're confused between technology and product. They think the product function is, the te- they, they don't understand what a product function is, or they don't understand the importance of um, hierarchy or how to communicate strategy or things like that. Um, so that side of things is fine. Uh, and, and then I'm, I'm just, I just always say to them, I'm really great at business. You're really great at this. You know, so I've got clients in um, photogrammetry technology, uh, education technology, biotechnology, and um, generative AI 
technology. I'm sure you just said genital then. No, 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 it started coming did. out as gen- <laughs> genital <laughs> technology. <laughs> yeah, not that one. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Some. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, I appreciate that you laugh at that, by the way. What? My inner teenager just laughing yeah. at this silly, inappropriate. Like, I know, yeah. I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Karen, so you. Yeah. Uh, you're listing the different technologies. Yeah, so so that doesn't matter. Like, that's not my job to be that expert. Yeah. I've actually not like I I wanted. I've always wanted to be in biotech. Always wanted to, and I, I was working in biotech in the end last year. Um, but several times when I've applied before, they're like, oh do you have biotech experience and I'm and so now they just did it like I just not while I was doing this job hunting thing I had that I they approached me would you want to be the COO we're looking for a COO this amazing biotech company and the CEO said no because I didn't have biotech experience I'm like dude that's you guys there's like 20 of you who are experts in that and none of you who know how to do operational um, business structure. And sometimes it can be better if someone 100%. doesn't. I so actually... relate to this conversation, by the way, <laughs> which is that risk and insurance is applicable across all the different companies, but you get to experience different companies. If yeah. I just think about my clients, be it from tech to construction to fund manager to lawyers to yeah. this whole spectrum, mm. which is all these different industries you're working alongside, but the, the, the basis, the fundamentals of risk and insurance is applicable across them all. You just need to Sounds know the like nuances it. of what is your risk 100%. of your business. Yeah, yeah 100. and you know the questions to ask, right? Like, I was doing um, a session with one of my clients. Um, so they're based out of Australia, but I'm working with people in Germany and London to raise this round. And, um, and, and they had initially presented to me the business presentation, and I'm just like, it's not there. Mm. Like, it's, it's not there yet. Like, do you understand that? What's the problem you're trying to solve? And it was just, I knew what I was hunting for, right? Mm. And I was like... So let's dig into this. Who are the who are the primary users? Who are the stakeholders? I just yeah. knew the questions. And by the time we got to the end of the session, they, they've been working on this for a very long time, years. By the time we got to the end of the session, they went, oh, yeah, that's not the primary user. It's this person mm, over here. Wow. And I was like, that just flips everything on wow. its head. You know, that is that is completely different. That is a different person with different problems, and you thought you were solving this problem. You're not solving that problem. You haven't dug into it enough, and that's all you're doing is you're coming in going, I know how to, I know how to look at a sales funnel and go, what's the data on this? Or I don't need to know your industry, you know? Isn't that amazing? Now, that's a good segue, and you may feel free to just go back to the response you gave Mm. just then, but I'm interested to know if your response to this question may be slightly different. Based on your experience as a fractional COO and based on your experience in the high tech awards as a judge, what is, you know, this is about big mistakes. What is a common mistakes mistake that a lot of the startups that you either observe at a judging capacity or in the, the, the companies that you're working in, what's a common mistake? That and these guys different make? to what we've already talked about. We've already talked about the investment and where that can go wrong. So something else. There's probably two. Unless you want to emphasize that even further. There's probably, no, 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 there's, no, 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 there's way worse than that. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was my problem, yeah, yeah. Uh, not the common problem. Um, no, I'd say there's two that I notice. One is product market fit and understanding what that means. People go, oh, I've got product market fit. 
people are using it. Are they paying for it? Mm. Like, that's a different thing, right? No, but they're doing trials and they're really happy with it and it's free trials. And I'm like, you don't have product market fit. Cash is king. Mm. And, um, and they'll mistakenly identify it as we have a slow sales cycle or our huh. marketing doesn't work. And so this is, we all agree in the fractional community, those are the two things that we hear come out of their mouths and those are our red flags. No, 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 it's deeper than this. It's deeper than this. Let's dig into the customer and be, you know, you, we talk all the time about we're a, we're a product-focused company or a customer-led company and you get into it, they haven't even interviewed the customers. Wow. wow. Like they have assumptions about the industry and the problem they're solving. Um, they haven't really dug into those personas and those goals. I've heard about technology companies that are smashing it. You know, they're, they're, um, they're with the user, but it's free at the moment, and they've got loads of users, and they're smashing it, and it's awesome, and so many users, but the moment they try to charge, they discover this other persona off to the side, the person that approves the budget. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you didn't... You didn't plan this out, like yeah. so costly, right? And it will take you sometimes years to unpick that. Um, and they'll go and they'll do things like they'll trial in New Zealand and then they'll just go offshore and they'll go, I've got it, and they'll go offshore and I can't tell you how expensive putting an office in offshore. Oh. Mm. Sales and marketing will cost you millions a year to set up an office offshore and then they're like, our sales cycle is too slow or our marketing isn't working. No. You're like, oh, you don't have product market fit here. No. And then you dig into it, which will take them months and months and months of research and understanding. And if they have a proper product practice, a lot of them don't have a product practice. They get confused with the people who build the technology thinking they're product. They're not. So product is a business function. And um, so that they'll go into it. And after they've spent millions on that market already, and they'll discover it doesn't they don't have the same problems or the same drivers. Um, wow. So so that's massive. And, and you talk to any VC and they're like, product market fit, product market fit. It's like a mantra. They say they've all, they all don't understand how I to get it. I can't believe that people would make all these assumptions oh, about what their customers or consumers want without actually talking to them. Blows my mind. Well, that's well, like picking up the phone. You know, you said earlier about just picking up the phone. Getting I mean, in front of people. People or, don't do that. I think... There's, I think there's a combination between the barrier to um, picking up the phone and talking, right? Uh, like putting yourself out there and saying, will you meet with them? Maybe they'll turn me down. And also there's a little bit of arrogancy and they don't know what they want. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard oh, that from the a CEO. Ego. So they, they don't know what they want until I've built it. And it's like, no, dude, you don't understand their job. No. Like you don't understand their drivers. Like... They have psychological drivers um, yeah. around what makes them make that wow. change from one thing to the next. Excellent. Yeah. That's so gold. Okay, so that was the first one. That's the what first was the one. second one? That is gold. So good. Um, probably the second one probably is that um, technology versus product understanding. So yeah, re reiterate for us, what is, in your mind, what is the difference between those? So technology is all about... Uh, I'm going to have all these CTOs probably yell at me now. Um, <laughs> I believe that technology is all about the stack, the architecture, security, um, designs. You know, what technology are we going to use to solve this problem? For example? Oh, I don't, like they'll use the type of code, they'll decide where it's going to, you know, if it, uh, 
they'll hate me for all these examples, but you know, um, you know, what cloud-based solution? Uh, will we integrate with the system? Does it already exist? Should we build it ourselves? The security is huge. Like that's the biggest number one concern for a. Um, do we need to link it to team. other third parties to get data, or do we do build the data ourselves? Yeah, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So they're all in the stack and the architecture and the thinking around that. Um, and and that's I haven't even touched on the hardware side of things. You know, if they're prototyping and doing IoT sensors and things like that. Um, and then when um, product, product is a business function. So product is about um, interviewing customers, focus groups, um, setting out roadmaps, getting the data for the product, analyzing the data, making decisions with the data. So is that what the customer interacts with, is the, the product side of things? The customer interacts with um, well, the sub product. Yeah. Um, like the front end of it, yes. right? Like the buttons and the widgets, yep. and then so. But the technologists still build that. So the yes. tech team still they build what's called the back end, which is the stack, and they also build the front end, which is they put the buttons on. Yeah, UX and stuff. Yeah. But they're not the UX guys. Oh. So the UX is in the product team. So the UX is all about user psychology. Yes. So one of the best. Um, one of the best product managers I've ever hired. She had no experience in product, but she had a psychology degree, and I said, I'll have you. Yeah, great. <laughs> Brilliant, because it is about the drivers yes. of, of a human being. What makes them do that? How do they focus? It's the gamification of... of, of How we don't like scrolling, things like that. We don't yeah. like clicking to other things. It's we don't like scrolling. So can like you, you can lose focus on the screen. Too like much you, text. Yeah, 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 yeah I've got yeah. that. Can you give an example of... Uh, a thing that you have that the the tech, the same product so to speak the same thing yeah and explain the this side of it is the technology and this side is the product yeah so um, the technology is it is the thing that people use but the product is the practice in front of it that connects it to the user's psychology and their and their human nature and their goals and their drivers but so one but one in the marketplace right now oh i'll compare it to a what's yeah it? like something that's in already like zero for instance the technology would be the tech well the technology team are the guys that build it yep. and the product team who are the ones who do the research and the ux okay. and they have the data and so the, it's, a, it's like a it's a really weird uh, naming convention because we just call it product, yeah. right? That's why it gets confusing. Yeah, I bet. Because the tech people build the product and they go, I'm product. I'm like, no, the product function within yes. a business. So when I first started my business, there was no such thing as a product manager, right? We gave my brother, I looked up a title for him. I was like researching. I was like, there's something called a CPO. Yeah. And he was like, brilliant. It sounds like Star Wars. Let's take it. <laughs> so, um, um, we're, like, no product managers, no, no UX designers back then. Um, but it became a function because it, they realized that engineers were driving the development of technology and they were missing this whole human side and i can give you an example actually a really good example is steve jobs was a product person he he didn't let um steve i'm gonna say his name wozniak wozniak drive the decisions because he was like you don't understand the users great he had this practice in it great that, that's why it's so beautiful 
And then you had Microsoft, who was it was being driven by Bill Gates. Still very successful, right? Like you're not taking away, but there was a reason why they were losing market share. You know, until they kind of went, oh, what are these guys doing over here? They mm-hmm. had to understand the user, and it's a practice. And so I, I was once in a team, and I walked in, and it was like they couldn't deliver the product, right? They couldn't deliver it. They couldn't deliver it. And 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 I, this this person had just been from the tech team had been promoted to head of product, and I was like, ah, oh, you've pro- promoted him into failure. Like he doesn't know what product is. Product yeah. is a different thing. And it was really awkward because brilliant technologist, yeah. huge respect for him. But I had to go and have this hard conversation of, dude, I'm going to move you back over to the tech team. And he's like, but I've just been promoted to head of product. And I was like, okay, here's the thing. If you want to be head of product, I'll totally train you how to do that. But do you like building stuff? And he goes, oh, I love it. And I said, you will never build another thing again in yeah. your career if you come over to product. And he's like, oh, great, I'll go back to tech. Great. <laughs> so he was happy. Great. And I, you know, he, once he understood it. And then I brought in a head of product and he goes, oh, and he got it and he loved it. And Amazing. yeah, so, um, so that is a clear misunderstanding in the industry. And when you have an engineering led product, you can tell. And when you don't have a product function, you can tell. Excellent. Mm. There's a great explanation. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. And I have a final question, mm. closing question. Mm. What is the worst piece of advice you've been given? Oh my God, I didn't prepare for that. Uh, the oh, uh, my favorite worst piece of advice because I t- I really love what I did with it is that with my company Trigger Happy, I was sitting in a room with these VCs, and next to me was a guy from Weta. And I was doing the pitch, and this is what we're going to do, this is our vision. And he said, I love it. You'll never do it. You can't do that. And I was like, no, 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 this is what it is. And he goes, no, you can't do it, and here's why. Um, So he explained that if I try to get all these rights off these studios in Hollywood, um, I wouldn't be able to get it off them because they'd already given away their rights. He was like, in licensing they give away their exclusive rights or people pay for exclusivity and they've all given away their digital rights. And I was like, oh. So I took that away and I just went, well, what, how do I get around that? Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and I, and I knew how to, like I, I just strategized to me. I just handled it. I treated it as um, an objection handling right. um, exercise. If I get this thrown at me, how am I going to handle it? So I had a meeting with Warner Brothers and I was sitting there and they went, oh my God, we love it. But here's the thing, I think we've already signed away our rights. And I said, no, you haven't. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, this is a brand new licensing category and it's called animated user content. And uh, it's brand new, has never existed before in the world. Um, They wouldn't have given away those rights yet. And they they were just like, great, let's take it to our lawyers. Lawyers came back and said, yep, no, we haven't assigned those rights yet. Yeah, Isn't that's what I signed everything under. Wow. Yeah, like none of them can say no. So Gosh. that's my favorite, worst, awesome. Yeah. It wasn't bad advice because in the end it was like, thank God he said that to me because if I didn't, if I wasn't prepared for that, I wouldn't have had an answer. Mm, wow. So it wasn't bad advice. It was just really helpful. Yeah, <laughs> but you took it as being constructive. Like, I think there's something to learn here. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, I can't, yeah, like, what can I do with this information? Wow, wow. Yeah. 
Shona, I have so enjoyed this. Yeah. I feel like we're going to have it at some stage do a round two of this uh, with you because you ha- seem to be full to the brim with stories and insights and a beautiful balance between sharing of your own personal experience but also some practical tactics that people can can walk away and start thinking about in their own businesses and in, in their own lives. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Anna, any any last words Just from you? Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Super enjoyed our chat. That was yeah. really fun. I hope I, uh, you know, we entertained everybody and, and you got something out of it. So um, yeah, appreciate you inviting me. That's really, really great.